Hello and happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor SF Walker. I'm here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world and today we look at Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow by Yuval Noah Harari. If we take the really grand view of life, all the problems and developments are overshadowed by three interlinked processes. Number one, science is converging on an all-encompassing dogma that says that organisms are algorithms and life is data processing. Number two, intelligence is decoupling from consciousness. And number three, non-conscious but highly intelligent algorithms may soon know us better than we know ourselves. These three processes raise three key questions which I hope will stick in your mind for a long time. Number one, are organisms really just algorithms? And is life really just data processing? Number two, what's more valuable, intelligence or consciousness? And number three, what will happen to society, politics and daily life when non-conscious but highly intelligent algorithms know us better than we know ourselves. Techno-humanism, which still sees humans as the apex of creation and clings to many traditional humanist values, agrees that Homo sapiens, as we know it, it's run its historical course and will no longer be relevant in the future, but concludes that we should therefore use technology in order to create Homo Deus, a much superior human model. Homo Deus will retain some essential human features, but will also enjoy upgraded physical and mental abilities that will enable it to hold its own even against the most sophisticated non-conscious algorithms. Since intelligence is decoupling from consciousness, and since non-conscious intelligence is developing as breakneck speeds, humans must actively upgrade their minds if we want to stay in the game. Despite all the talk of radical Islam and Christian fundamentalism, the most interesting place in the world for a religious perspective is not the Islamic State or the Bible Belt, but Silicon Valley. It is where high-tech gurus are brewing for us great new religions that have little to do with God and everything to do with technology. They promise all the old prizes, happiness, peace, prosperity, and even eternal life. But here on earth with the help of technology, rather than after death with the help of celestial beings, there are still notable failures. But when faced with such failures, we no longer shrug our shoulders and say, well, that's the way things work in our imperfect world, or God's will be done. 
Rather when famine, plague, or war break out of control, we feel that somebody must have screwed up. We set a commission of inquiry and promise ourselves next time we'll be better. And it actually works. Such calamities indeed happen less and less often. Often, For the first time in history, people die more today from eating too much than from eating too little. More people die from old age than from infectious disease. And more people commit suicide than are killed by soldiers, terrorists, and criminals combined. In 2012, about 66 million people died throughout the world. 620,000 of them died to human violence. War killed 120,000 people. Crime killed another 500,000 people. In contrast, 800,000 committed suicide and 1.5 million died of diabetes. Sugar is now more dangerous than gunpowder. When we descend from the ethereal sphere of philosophy and observe historical realities, we find that religious stories almost always include three parts. Ethical judgments, such as human life is sacred. Factual statements, such as human life begins at the moment of conception. And number three, a conflation of the ethical judgment with the factual statement resulting in practical guidelines, such as you should never allow abortion, even a single day after conception. Science has no ability to refute or corroborate the ethical judgments religions make, but scientists do have a lot to say about religious factual statements. Today, in contrast, it is very easy not to believe in God, because I pay no price for my non-belief. I can be a complete atheist and still derive a very rich texture of political, moral, and aesthetical values for my inner experience. If I believe in God at all, it is my choice to believe. If my inner self tells me to believe in God, then I believe. I believe because I feel God's presence in my heart tells me He is there. But if I no longer feel God's presence, and if my heart suddenly tells me that there is no God, I will cease believing. Either way, the real source of authority is my own feelings. So even while saying that I believe in God, the truth is that I have a much stronger belief in my own inner voice. This is the paradox of historical knowledge. Knowledge that does not change behavior is useless, but knowledge that changes behavior quickly loses its relevance. The more data we have and the better we understand history, the faster history alters its course, and the faster our knowledge becomes outdated. The glass ceiling of happiness is held in place by two stout pillars, one psychological and the other biological. Psychological level happens, happiness depends on expectations rather than objective conditions. We don't become satisfied by living a peaceful and prosperous existence. Rather, we become satisfied when reality matches our expectations. Bad news is, as conditions improve, expectations balloon. Dramatic improvements in conditions 
that humankind has experienced in recent decades translates into greater expectations rather than greater contentment. If we don't do something about this, our future achievements too might leave us as dissatisfied as ever. On the biological level, both our expectations and our happiness are determined by our biochemistry rather than our economic, social and political situation. The state hopes to regulate the biochemical pursuit of happiness, separating bad manipulations from the good ones. The principle is very clear. Biochemical manipulations that strengthen political stability, social order and economic growth are allowed and even encouraged. Manipulations that threaten stability and growth are banned. But each year new drugs are born in the university labs, pharmaceutical companies and even criminal organizations. And the need of the state and the market also keep changing. As the biochemical pursuit of happiness accelerates, so it will reshape politics, society and economics and it will become equal part and equally hard to bring it under control. Meaning is created when many people wave together a common network of stories. Why is a particular action such as getting married in a church, fasting for Ramadan or voting on an election date seem meaningful to me? Well, because my parents also think it's meaningful, as do my brothers, my sisters, my neighbors, people in nearby cities, and even the residents of far-off countries. And why do all those people think it's meaningful? Because their friends, their neighbors, their brothers, their sisters also share their thinking. People constantly reinforce each other's beliefs in self-perpetuating loop. And each round of mutual confirmation tightens the web of meaning further until we have little choice but to believe what everyone else believes. In the medieval Europe, the chief formula for knowledge was knowledge equals scriptures times logic. If people wanted to know the answer to important questions, they would read scriptures, use their logic to understand the exact meaning of the text. The scientific revolution proposed a very different formula. Knowledge equals empirical data times informatics times mathematics. Humanism offered a new thing. As humans gained confidence in themselves, new formula became experiences times sensitivity. If you wish to know the answer to any ethical question, we need to connect to our inner experiences and observe them with the utmost sensitivity. But what are experiences exactly? They're not empirical data. An experience is not made out of atoms, electric waves, proteins or numbers. It is a subjective phenomenon made up of three main ingredients. Sensations, emotions and thoughts. At any particular moment my experience compromises everything I sense. Heat, pleasure, tension. Every emotion I feel love, fear, anger and whatever thoughts arise in my mind. And what is sensitivity? It means two things. Firstly, paying attention to my sensations, emotions and thoughts. And then secondly, allowing these sensations, emotions and thoughts to influence. You cannot experience something if you don't have the necessary sensitivity and you cannot develop your sensitivity except by undergoing a long streak of experiences. As of early 2016, 62 richest people in the world were worth as much as the 3.6 billion people. 
since the world population is over 7 billion people, it means that these 62 billionaires together hold as much as the entire bottom half of the humankind. 20th century medicine aimed to heal the sick. 21st century medicine is increasingly aiming to upgrade the healthy. Healing the sick was an egalitarian project because it assumed there is a normative standard of physical and mental health that everyone can and should enjoy. When someone fell below the norm, it was the job of the doctors to fill, fill, fix the problem and help him or her live the best life. In contrast, upgrading the healthy is an elitist project because it rejects the idea of a universal standard applicable to all and seeks to give some individuals an edge over others. New religions are unlikely to emerge from the caves of Afghanistan or the madrasas of the Middle East. Rather, it will emerge from the research laboratories. Just as socialism took over the world by promising salvation to steam and electricity, so in the coming decades new techno-religions may conquer the world by promising salvation through algorithms and genes. Please do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too and spread the word. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below. So buy it and read. Never stop learning. Thank you. Love and respect.